0: Welcome. We're glad you're here. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. I'm so glad that we have so many fathers in our, in our audience, in our family here at Fountainhead. And I'm glad those of you who are visiting who are fathers, thank you for being here as well. Fathers, we have a hard task sometimes, but I believe that everyone here would say that it's a, it's a joyful task most of the time. Most of the time. Welcome. We are saddened by some of those who have lost their father. Uh, some have lost their fathers even recently. Uh, we all know, most of us, Jonathan England, who preaches for the Bush's Chapel congregation. A lot of you got the email that he had sent that I forwarded to you. His father, this is Richard England Sr., is who is pictured here. He was the guest speaker last Sunday night at the Murray City, uh, Tennessee, Church of Christ, and he preached a powerful sermon on Sunday night about repentance and reconciliation. There were three responses. As he was talking with those three individuals, he passed out, and he never regained consciousness He had a major brain aneurysm. And Jonathan's dad died this past Monday night at 10 a.m., excuse me, 10 p.m. in Jackson General Hospital, and that ended a lifetime, Jonathan said, of gospel preaching, gospel publications, gospel radio programs. He died doing what he loved, Jonathan said. Seconds before he passed out, he told the crowd... That there are no guarantees of tomorrow. If you need to make something right, you need to do it now. What a point to make. What a last, what a great last point to make as a preacher. Jonathan's mom and dad were happily married for 59 years, and all five children, Jonathan said, were at the bedside when he died. Father's Day. I told this story this past Wednesday night at the Hillcrest congregation when I spoke at their VBS we can add one more response to those three a lady came forward decided that she needed to make things right that she wasn't guaranteed tomorrow like Jonathan I'm I'm thankful for godly fathers aren't you amen I'm thankful for Christian fathers aren't you amen amen I tell you, I'm thankful. I praise God for a good and loving and Christ-like dad like I've got. I've heard a song played at a lot of funerals. Daddy's hands. Daddy's hands are soft and kind when I was crying. You know the song. Holly Dunn, I believe, sang it. Daddy's hands were hard as steel when I'd done wrong. Daddy's hands weren't always gentle, but I've come to understand. There's always love in daddy's hands. My dad... I tell you, he could give a whooping. I tell you, he could whoop you. Uh, but he had—I was looking at his hands the other day. He has the most beautiful hands. He could have been a hand model. I've got little stubby. I got my mama's side of the family's hands. I got little stubby fingers. My daddy's hands are are beautiful. He keeps them manicured. Although they're—I mean—they can do some hard work. He's done a lot of hard work with his hands. I mean, he lotions them. He makes sure his fingernails are clipped and they look nice. And 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 they're. Uh, he, you know, he taught me how to hold a golf club, and he's a Harvey Pennick fan. Uh, for all you golfers out there, and he told me how to hold a golf club. He said to hold it like you're holding a tube of toothpaste that you, 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 that the top is off of, and you shouldn't squeeze it so that the so that the toothpaste comes out. But you should hold it firm enough so that you can swing the club. Hey, that takes gentleness. That takes self-control to do something like that. Because you know me, when I get it, I want to grab it. Goes toothpaste would go everywhere if I had that kind of a golf club. You know? There is a gentleness in self-control in our Father's hands. And that's the topic I want to speak about today. Gentleness and self-control What we want to learn What we can learn about these topics Comes from our scripture focus today To go ahead and turn in your Bibles To Matthew 26 You'll be looking at Matthew 26 I'm going to try to have the Rest of the scriptures on the screen Also in the bulletin uh, There's a little hand uh, fill out If you haven't gotten one you can grab one back in the back uh, Before I get started real well And uh, you can fill out the sermon. Take this home with you today. Uh, We can learn gentleness and self-control from this passage of Jesus in the garden. When Jesus talks to His Father. Gentleness and self-control, they just seem to go together, don't they? Like peanut butter and jelly, they go together. Uh, Like ketchup and fries, gentleness and self-control. Gentleness is kindness, kindness. It's, it's kindness. Uh, it's a willingness, like we were talking about this morning, uh, about being a servant. It's, it's a willingness to be a servant for uh, some other person. Self-control, well, the definition of self-control is in the word itself. You have control of self, self-control. And as servants of the Most High God, we love His His gentle and controlled side. We love that. We love and. We, we we love it when, when we read of the passages of Jesus being gentle, of God being gentle, and, and, and He is our shepherd and we shall not want. We understand also that He can be fierce. We understand that, he, that, that we must work out our own salvation with, with fear and trembling and that it's, a, it's, it's an awesome thing to fall into the hands of an awesome God. But how sweet and how gentle... Is his self-control. Just stay there in, in Matthew. I'll try to give you the supporting scriptures. This is 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says uh, notice the Lord's self-control here. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slightness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Notice God is long-suffering. He's patient. He's using self-control. Maybe He's using self-control for you today. Maybe He's wanting you to get your life together today, and then He's going to come back. For some reason, He's waiting. For some reason, these 2,000 years since Jesus Christ left this earth, He's waiting. Maybe it's on you. Maybe He's using self-control. But at some point, He's going to send Jesus back. Then we learn about Jesus. Isaiah 53 says in verse 4, Surely He has borne our griefs. Notice how gentle and self-controlled our Savior is and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we are like sheep, And have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Jesus Christ, even from the prophets, was gentle, humble. A New Testament example in Matthew of the gentleness of Jesus is found in Matthew 11, verse 28, when He says, Come to Me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the kind of Jesus we want. We want that Jesus. Now... To have that Jesus, though, to have that Jesus in our lives, we've got to take up the burden that He has in that very next verse. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But we've got to take up His burden. We've got to take up His cross. Jesus brings rest. Rest takes our mind to a, a gentle life a life of self control jesus wants our burdens we do you know we don't hear of jesus laughing very much but we do hear of him crying we do hear jesus crying in john chapter 11 verse 32 we see jesus weeping on the way to the tomb of lazarus the hebrew writer said of this event, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore in all things He had to be made like His brethren that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus Christ became like us. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem as He drew near. And in our passage today, Jesus wept. And the account of the garden is in all four Gospels, but we'll be reading from Matthew. Begin with chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. From the other accounts, the disciples and Jesus would have crossed the brook Kidron, the, the same brook that Jesus... Uh, crossed david would have crossed that same brook uh, when he was fleeing his son absalom it's the same creek we would call it a creek that the kings of israel threw up the ground up idols of baal and Molech. in john chapter 18 verse 2 we find judas knew of this garden place he knew of it he knew where to take the soldiers and the mob because we find, according to Luke 22, verse 39, Jesus regularly visited this garden spot. Gethsemane means place of oil presses, but it was at that time, in the time of Christ, a garden, a park-like setting. We learn from our verse His purpose for going into the garden. His purpose was to pray. A Hebrew writer tells of Jesus... At this time, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Jesus is our perfect example. Jesus in our passage so shows great self-control. He shows great gentleness. Jesus shows us a step here in gaining self-control. And it's the first, if you're keeping score on the, on the bulletin, submit to God. If you want to gain more self-control, the first thing you've got to do is submit to God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service it's not it's not this it's not that hard this is reasonable this is what you can do this is reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God jesus forfeited his life for ours and he fortified himself against temptation by prayer In the other accounts, He told the disciples to do likewise. Verse 37 of Matthew 26. And He took with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. You know, it's good to have close friends around you when you're deeply distressed. I don't know how... Folks do it without the church. I really don't. I don't know how they make it. Jesus had His friends around Him, His close friends, in His darkest of times. Verse 38, Then He said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with Me. You know, we know those folks who can take a lot of pain, don't we? Those folks, if they're complaining... There's something really wrong. Dana's that kind of person. You know, she can take a lot of pain. And she starts complaining, something's wrong. Now, if I start complaining, eh, put a Band-Aid on it. Come on. You know? But Dana, she, I don't know what it is. It must be something about and Brittany, you nurses. It, it must be something about you guys. Y'all can take a lot. I don't know. Some of you are like that. You don't complain a whole lot. But notice, if Jesus Christ is complaining, it must have been something. Jesus Christ is, I'm I'm troubled even to death. Hey, Jesus shows us something here. It's good to tell somebody when you hurt. When you're hurting physically, mentally, emotionally, morally, it's good to tell somebody. Don't keep that inside, don't let that fester. He went a little farther, verse 39 about a stone's throw, one account says, about 150, 200 feet, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Notice Jesus' attitude here. Notice his attitude. Luke 22, verse 42, says that he knelt down. Here in our passage, it says that Jesus fell on his face. Have you ever been that distraught? to where you would fall upon your face, you would hit your knees, and ask God to to do something for you. Jesus was that distraught. Jesus surrendered. And we learn another step here of gaining self-control. that We've got to surrender our personal rights. As Americans, we are told that we have certain unalienable rights. Though I of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but as christians i want you to notice this is from first corinthians chapter 6 beginning with verse 19 or do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and you are not your own for you were bought at a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which which are god's we're not our own we've got to give up that That idea that we've got these personal rights that can't be violated at any cost. We're owned by God. We're slaves of righteousness. Yes, we are Americans. I understand that. But we should be servants of a kingdom first, the kingdom of God. Understand something before we get there about our passage today. Jesus is about to be arrested. And the arrest and the trial are all, according to the Jewish law of the day, illegal. This was illegal. The Jewish authorities were bound by law not to arrest anyone for a capital crime at night. They were bound by law not to arrest anyone with the help of an informer. They were bound by law not to question or examine anyone at night. Jesus Jesus mentions none of these when he's arrested, as you'll see. What would you do when you're arrested? if, If you were arrested for a crime, would you not want your rights? Would you not demand your rights? Jesus doesn't do that. Paul condemns the Corinthian Christians for even going to law against their brothers. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Now therefore it is, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do, why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? Why not just be cheated rather than go to law against your brother or your sister? No, you yourselves do wrong and you cheat and you do these things to your brethren. It took a lot of self-control for Jesus to do what He did in dealing with the people that night, with that mob that night. When we deal with unreasonable people, even ourselves, (laughs) sometimes we can be unreasonable and we have to deal with ourselves. It takes a lot of self-control. Back to Matthew 26, verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? Could you, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The, the, the disciples, they had a hard time with self-control. We, we do too. I, I do. You know, from, from, from overindulgence to, 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 to overjudging. We all have a problem with with self-control many times. Jesus reasoned with His disciples. He reasoned with them. And gentleness is the spirit of, of Christian reason. We've got to be gentle when we reason. Even when we're dealing with the unlovely, the unruly, the uncaring. I have to remember this a lot. We have to be gentle uh, it says in First Peter chapter, chapter three, verse fifteen, we we've got to be ready for anything. Uh, it says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, with meekness and with fear. That's how we that's how we do that. That's how we we give an account for the hope that's in us, and we've got to be ready to do that. Th- this helps me sometimes. I, I daydream. You ever daydream? I daydream. I put myself in my daydreams in situations. And I say, okay, if I was in this situation, this is how I would react. And I say, no, that's not a Christian attitude. Have you ever done that? And then I put myself in the same And then I try to, I try to put myself in that situation and come up with the best Christian attitude that I can, that I can do using the Scriptures. I don't know if you all do that or not. Put yourself in the situation and how you would handle them as a Christian. Know this. And here's another point. Gaining self-control takes soul work. It takes a lot of soul work. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9, verse 25, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. I've said this before, you know. Uh, me and Danny and a few of us we ran in that strawberry stride and you know as I was standing there and before the gun went off everybody has it in their mind hey maybe I could win you know maybe I could you know it's very clear after the race goes ahead and starts that you're not going to win but still you run the race anyway and you win on a personal level you do win on a it says we we should all strive for the prize. We're not competing just to just to be running out there. We want the t-shirt, don't we? We want that t-shirt. That's the way we should run. Chapter 26 verse 42 of Matthew. Again, a second time. He went away and prayed saying, "Oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done." And he came and found them asleep again, <laughs> for their eyes were heavy. So he left them. You know, if Jesus is our perfect example, and he is, the gentle don't nag. Notice he didn't wake them up. Why well, are you all asleep again? Right? That's what I'd have done. I told you out. i told you I'd be stand Stay awake. What are y'all's What's your problem? Nag, nag, nag. The gentle don't nag. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Notice Jesus' prayer. Jesus prayed. If anyone's prayer is going to be answered, it's got to be Jesus' prayer, right? I mean, sometimes you pray, and your prayer's not answered. And, and you think, what is it? Is There's something wrong with me? Well, look now. Jesus prayed. and His prayer, the answer to his prayer was, was no. In the other accounts, the angel had to come and and tend to Jesus. He knew he was not alone. We should know that as well. The body of Christ, if we are truly the body of Christ, if we're truly the the eyes, the ears, the, the hands, the feet, we should be there to help as well. We should be the gentle body of Christ on this earth. Verse 45, Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour's at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Verse 46, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Here's a basic life issue We, we must all face, as Christians, our self versus Christ. Judas, Judas had to face this. The apostles there with Jesus in the garden, they had to face this. Self versus Christ. Either I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm facing this situation and I'm going to betray Jesus, or I'm facing this situation and I'm going to stand with Jesus. And we all face those situations every day. Verse 49, immediately he went up to Jesus, this is Judas, and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? And they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. In the the other accounts, Jesus has already identified himself to the mob about who he was. There was really no need for Judas to even come and kiss Jesus because the crowd already knew who he was. He would already identified himself. I'm the man. Jesus allowed Judas to betray him with the kiss. And when you're faced with those situations today and I'm faced with those situations tomorrow, when we're faced with those situations, we too are faced with the opportunity to kiss or not to betray or stand with Jesus gentleness is the spirit in which all resistance must be met we learn from Jesus here second timothy chapter 2 Verse 25 says, In humility, he's telling Timothy, Paul's telling Timothy, In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. We, in humility, have got to correct those. And hey, I have a problem with that too. I'm learning how to control myself when I correct as well. We all need to learn that. We all need to learn that gentleness and self-control that Jesus shows and God shows. Verse 51 of Matthew 26. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. We learn from from other accounts that this was the ever-impulsive, O ye of little faith, get thee behind me, Peter. And this was Malchus' ear that he cut off, the high priest's servant. And here's another step to gaining self-control. We learn this one from Peter. Subdue your natural personality. Sometimes it takes that. Sometimes it takes you to subdue your natural personality, to show self control. Sometimes we're overly aggressive. Sometimes we're overly shy. We have a job to do and can't afford to hurt the cause of Christ because of our personality and our attitude. We learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, Paul speaking about preaching the gospel here. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win to the Jews. To those who are under the law, as those under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, not being without the law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as the weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save all. No, that's not what it says. That I might by all means save some. I hope that you can be here tonight. Because I'm going to tell you why I can't be a Seventh-day Adventist. I've made a lot of friends in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I've, beca- I've tried to study with them and get on their level and understand. And Doug and there's others, Sammy and there's others. We've gone, Brother Shockley, we've gone and we've studied with these people. Trying to get on their level and become like them so much that we can understand what they mean. And I'm going to tell you why tonight I can't. Still, we had to do it with gentleness we had to do it with love we had to do a lot of self-control learned a lot about self-control doing that the very idea of self and self-control introduces a difficulty which we must all acknowledge self-control is hard We're always going to have problems in the church because we're always going to have people in the church and people who have a hard time with self-control. They haven't added to their faith goodness. They haven't added to their goodness self-control. They haven't added to their self-control perseverance. They haven't added to their perseverance godliness. They haven't added to their godliness brotherly kindness. And they haven't added to their brotherly kindness love. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. And we've got to put up with that and we've got to use gentleness and self-control when we deal with folks who aren't ready To be dealt with yet. We've got to use a lot of love. We've got to put a lot of thought into the way we treat people. We can't do it alone. We need God's help. Back to our passage. Matthew 26, verse 52. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think or, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide with me more than twelve legions of angels? You know, we sing that song. He could have called ten thousand angels to destroy the world and set him free, but he didn't. Why? Why didn't he call all those angels? Why didn't he call those legions of angels to get him off that cross? Well? Verse 54, How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Un- unintentionally uh, arresting Jesus at night the way they did away from the temple. The mob and the rulers They were witnesses to the innocence of Jesus Uh, We too must face these basic issues of life Popularity versus what's right You know, the popularity The popular thing to do was be with the mob Like Judas was But then there was what was right That was being with Jesus Tradition versus truth What's always been done We've always done things this way Versus the truth Gentleness of spirit is the spirit in which restoration must be exercised. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And back to Matthew 26 verse 56, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Each disciple thought about himself. Sometimes we can use all the self-control and all the gentleness we can muster and folks will still leave. But Jesus was certainly in control of himself and in gentleness he was certainly willing to serve serve us by saving us. Later later After the illegal trials, if you'll turn just a few pages over to Matthew 27. Later, after the illegal trials, when Christ was before Pilate, even Pilate reasoned with the Jews for the life of Jesus. The crowd screamed more and more for the crucifixion of Jesus. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and our children. Oh, what a terrible thing to say. Think about these little babies in this this audience today. Think about the little children over here to say that a curse be on you and their head. That's what they're saying. Let the blood of Christ be on us and our babies' heads. What a terrible thing to say. But I want you to notice God's self-control. Look over at Acts chapter 2. When Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost and tells the people in Jerusalem, basically in his sermon, you all killed Jesus Christ. That's what you've done. You killed Him. Now when they heard this verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, for this promise is to you and your children. And those, all those who are far off, that's us, as many as the Lord our God will call. Our God wants all to be saved. He is gentle and He is kind. And His self-control with our wicked ways must be beyond measure. We can hold to His hand, to God's unchanging hand. But what a terrible, eternal life we will have if we don't obey Jesus Christ 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 through 9 will come back in flaming fire with his angels taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's power to save Romans chapter 1 verse 16 The gospel of Jesus Christ is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've got to obey that event. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be saved. How do you obey such an event? If you turn to Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4, you read that you are buried in Christ in baptism. And that you're buried with Him in baptism. You've died to your sins. You've been raised to walk in newness of life. And now like Jesus was seen by hundreds after His resurrection, you'll be seen living that Christian life. A wise man once wrote that to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To find the will of God is the greatest discovery. And to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. I am in that. Our good brother England Seconds before he passed out, he told the crowd, There are no guarantees of tomorrow. If you need to make something right, you need to do it now. Patience of God, his self control, he's given you another chance, he's given you another day. He's waiting on you to make things right. His gentleness has come to all those who are weary who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Put your hand into the hand of a loving God. A gentle God. A God that's using self-control. Even now, He hasn't sent His Son Jesus Christ to come back. You've still got time. Come right now.